0: Hi, and welcome to The Cosmic Pulse, sponsored by the International Academy of Astrology. Today, we are joined by a few leaders in astrological education. I'd like to welcome and introduce Ina Stanley, who's the recipient of the Regulus Award for Education in 2012, and the founder of the International Academy of Astrology as well as Ina Newberg, one of the founders, former president and longtime astrology instructor at Kepler College. And last but not least, Sam Reynolds, president of the International Academy of Astrology, past board member of ISAR and founder of International Society of Black Astrologers, who is a writer, speaker and overall super cool dude. Thank you and welcome to all of you for being here. Thank you for having us, Jen. Thank you, Jen. <laughs> the topic of today's podcast is to have you share your experiences and observations and thoughts of past and current patterns of astrological education. And I am a former graduate, I am a graduate of the International Academy of Astrology And there are different models of or ways that a student can learn astrology. And I'm just wondering if we can maybe touch on some of them, self-study, the model of lineage, certification through either school or an organization and thoughts on continuing studies. And how about we start with Ina and if you could share how you started your astrological education and how you built IAA and what, what other schools were around at that time. And, and Enid and Sam also feel free to jump in. Oh, I, well,
1: I, I started my education, uh, by uh, having my first astrological consultation, which I thought was going to be a hoax, and realized that it was the most most significant thing I'd ever heard in all of my life. I was in my I was in my early 30s, about 32, I think, or so. Anyway, you know, I'm now uh, at, when we're recording this. The, uh, the, uh, the, the weekend that's coming up is going to be my 87th birthday. So that was some time ago that I started. And, uh, uh, so I, 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 I finally, I thought I was going to just get a book and know what my this astrologer had said. So I got a book and I got another book and I got another book. There weren't that many books back in the the 70s, but I got as many as I could get my hands on and realized that all I was doing was learning just a tiny bit. In other words, I'd read this page and it made sense, but I'd turn the page and the next page didn't make sense. So I knew that I needed some classes. So I found a good teacher. She was a professional member of AFA, which was the only kid in town at that time. AFA was, and uh, uh, I learned from her. And then I, 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 I was in at the time. I was married to a Gestalt therapist, so I was very and in, in, involved in psychology. So when I heard of Zip Dobbins, poor Dobbins, who was a clinical psychologist as well as an astrologer, I wanted to study with her, and I did. And then eventually I wanted, I heard about NCGR. They were a fledgling organization at the time. And uh, I, wanted, I wanted certification. I wa- that was very significant to me to get some sort of peer testing that, that would tell me that I, I knew what I was talking about. So I ended up going and studying with Joan Negus. That was in 1985, and going to New York City and getting my certification because there, it, that you couldn't just get that those tests any place at the time. And uh, so after I got my third level, uh, I started teaching. That was in 1986. I hadn't gotten my fourth yet but it had to do more with finances than anything. And I didn't have the finances to do it at the time. And, uh, I, uh, uh, I started teaching because I realized that even the, the astrologer that had turned me on to astrology, who was supposed to be the professional astrologer I'd gone to, didn't know what she was talking about, actually. So I wanted, to start teaching so that people would know the depth of psychology of, of astrology and then we didn't we weren't even doing the pat you know traditional that way that that was just a, a twinkle in a few people's eyes but it wasn't hadn't developed yet uh, so it was all modern and uh but even at that you know there was a lot of depth in that that was not being shared by people who were who were saying that they were astrologers i that was that, that rubbed me the wrong way that people saying they were astrologers but they really didn't didn't have have didn't know that much about astrology so then time went on i ended up working at a in the, in the mid 90s early in the Early to mid 90s, I started working at a online community college called Cal Campus C A L C A M P U S, and that got me where I was familiar with online teaching. When I say online, the the internet hadn't come out yet, and so I taught it Genie. I taught it uh, Delphi. There was two or three Little that was the AOL wasn't even anything of any significance at the time. So I taught at these different little locations that they had uh, they had contracts with that the school did. And uh, in 1997 that spring semester that beginning or that beginning semester I was teaching 13 classes a week and I could not keep up the 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 schedule <laughs> you know I was about to fall over from exhaustion so I called up Ed Perrone and said let's build a school and that was the beginning of this school which was at that time online college of astrology and then in 2008, we changed the name to International Academy of Astrology.
0: Wow, uh, that's a nice progression of historic history of technology as well, because we're talking all pre-internet. And I'm interested as well, feel free Enid to, to add in, what was the model for somebody before all this online, not this online, but the internet, for somebody who wanted to study with an astrology teacher or realize that they needed more than a book?
2: Teachers were not as easy to find either. Not just the books were hard to find. When I started in astrology, um, it was in college, I was in this brand new college in Washington called the Evergreen State College at the time. And a group of us were all interested in astrology. And so we wanted to find books, but this was in Olympia, not in the main city of of Seattle that had some astrologers. And we drove to Seattle to the Theosophical Bookstore because it was the only place we knew of that you could actually find an astrology book to buy. And so we we were learning together And finding out all this exciting information, like the signs have elements and modes that form a pattern, (laughs) it's like this brand new information for us. Because we didn't have anything other than the books we were collecting. And the books tended to be, if you heard somebody mention another author, then you bought a book. If you heard that somebody was lecturing, then you might see if they had a book available because you liked what they said in the lecture. Finding a teacher was, was really tricky. I mean, if up in Seattle, they had some teachers. So I actually never had an astrology teacher in, in my entire learning of astrology. I never actually went to study specifically under an instructor. I, it was through groups of people. The, initially, I called myself also a self-defense astrologer because it was everybody around me who wanted to to learn astrology. And, and I kind of clung to that name for a while saying, oh, I'm just a self-defense astrologer. I'm just learning it because everybody else I know. But it didn't take very long. It, it wasn't maybe more than three or four years before I realized that I couldn't say that. Not really. I was I was every bit as embedded into the astrology as my friends were. I would at that point we'd had I'd had my first child and my husband and I had he became the president of the Washington Astrological Association. And and I was secretary for for a while there along with him. And then I started to meet some of the top people that were coming through the lecture circuit and then i tended to say well i'm not really a true astrologer because i was encountering these people who i really respected that had really good knowledge and i think the most of what i learned was in the discussions like they would do their lectures and we'd all go out to dinner afterwards and then people would talk astrology and Norwalk was beginning to, to come up. And so pretty soon in the Seattle area, there was a conference to go to where people would talk astrology. And that was that was the most exciting thing. But in 93, or well, 92 actually, Maggie Albanian had decided that she'd had enough of hearing people say they wanted to start a college, an actual formal academic college. No idea really what was going to be that college, but it was just People wanted it. So let's do it. And that was the start of Kepler. She got some people together. And my at that time, my husband was my ex-husband, uh, who was the astrologer and uh, Gary Lorenson, And he would going to the initial meetings. He would stop by the house to see the kids and we would talk astrology. <laughs> we would talk this new concept. So in ni- 1993, I was also a member of the board of trustees for this new thought of new idea and very excited at the concept of putting astrology as a field of study into the larger academic environment. And it was a a marvelous dream. Uh, The astrological community was very much behind it, although I don't think in many cases they understood what they were asking for because an academic study of astrology is a very different thing than having classes in in the actual practice. The practice is not the central idea in an academic college. The underpinnings, the philosophy behind it, how it's shifted over time, what's the actual history. And when Kepler finally opened, that's really where we had to focus. Because our remit from the state of Washington Was that we had to present astrology in its academic context. So we had, instead of having just classes in what technique, we had classes that were comparing modern, Hellenistic, Vedic, uh, or Indian astrology and seeing the similarities and differences. We had an entire year of working with the history of astrology and discovering how amazing that history was we had students who would start and they would say ah, i don't want to have you know history forget it we i just want astrology and then they would take that year and they and so many of them said you know that was the most valuable thing they had was understanding how astrology is at the heart of of civilization both western and eastern it is it is at the core underpinnings of of the science and we don't have to be ashamed <laughs> at all of any of our history. We don't have to to feel defensive against scientists. We cross borders. Astrology crosses the border between science and being human and our intuition and our our connection, literal connection with the larger cosmos. So that was, that was really, I think, where the seeds of Kepler after accreditation were started, is because we were so excited about what happened when students got a broader picture. So when we did face the inevitable of not having money during the economic downturn and also Being considered the poster child for pseudoscience, none of the accrediting agencies wanted to touch us. And the one that we did want to work with, um, we were having real trouble. It's a very expensive process. And at that time with, you know, this is 2008, Mm -hmm. where 2009, so we could not obtain accreditation in the timeframe that the state of Washington required. And so we changed over in 2012 to being, being very similar to IAA, but with our own, our own take on the idea that to really learn astrology, getting exposure to different styles of astrology, different lineages, being able to argue because <laughs> astrologers love to argue. Anybody who's been to a conference or even met another astrologer knows that we love to discuss uh, all the different options of which, which house system to use, what planets do you include, what you not include, all those different things. And to have a background for that, that understands, well, that was around 3000 years ago, and this one's just come in on the last 20, 30 years, is really important. To, to place things and to get in more depth. So that, that was basically, and I think that that's been the basis behind IAA as well, is giving this broader exposure rather than a single person's perspective on what astrology is all about, but give a broader perspective of the larger astrological field because we are a field of study. We're like psychology in, in that sense, that we have different branches. We have different ways of approaching. It's not that one is necessarily better than the other, but it's different approaches. And students, when you're starting astrology, you don't know which one you're really going to end up with. Um, Chris Brennan <laughs> is kind of the poster child for this. He came into Kepler College when he was a student going, "There's, you know, modern is the only possible way to do it because it's the best of course it is and then having to basically being forced to learn an alternative like hellenistic all of a sudden he he realized there's so much more and went into his own journey very very far from where he ever thought he would start and to me that's the exciting part is watching students discover their own pathway in places they didn't necessarily even know. Was a fascination to them.
0: That's lovely, and education at its highest is is inspirational. And you can't be inspired by something if you're not exposed exposed to it. And you're not aware of it.
1: Yeah, and I want to say that I've always supported Kepler. Kepler. From the very beginning, before I even thought of a school, I was still I was supporting the idea that they were that that they were developing up in Washington. And uh, and the interesting thing is that both Enid and I have been very close companions through our journey. For well over a decade.
2: trading stories, trading ideas about how to best approach education, Um, very fruitful conversations.
0: And your reference to learning uh, from books and having access to astrology books, I don't know if how many were in the library, but to me there is a certain degree of privilege, I think, in astrological education, because it's not readily accessible in public schools or public uh, libraries in public schools. And I don't know, Sam, did you want to talk about privilege and astrology at all? Or uh, Enid or Ina, if you want to talk about just trends that you noticed In terms of of privilege, or the changing, you know, well, I mean, landscape
3: of astrologers, the makeup. Yeah, we we can go into that. I mean, I I came to astrology very different. Well, not very different, but different than Ina and Enid, in the sense that I wasn't committed to my astrological education and journey, as such, as much as I was fascinated. By astrology as a field of BS. So mm-hmm. I I spent 10 years trying to disprove it. Um, but I think I did that in a reasonable way, which was between accessing books that I could buy or find, which I'll talk more about per your question, and by doing charts. And how I came to do charts, it was a little, a little later than Ina and Enid because I'm just a little younger. Um, um, they're, they're probably laughing because it's like, oh, you're a lot younger.
0: But, um, <laughs> you are.
3: But yeah, I I came to it um, in the late '90s, um, more so I should say mid to late '90s, because I my first exposure to astrology was probably. 90 itself and then 91 and then i got a mac computer program that allowed me to do charts and it was always with the intention that someone would say to me like that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard from anybody but it never came no one ever said that even as i would do these charts with friends i had no aspiration toward being an astrologer i just wanted to study something hands on that made no sense to me so and you weren't
0: so you weren't charging your friends to disprove astrology cuz that'd be pretty funny <laughs>
3: no 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 i didn't start charging until probably close to 10 years later and even then it wasn't charging it was initially just donation for the work i was doing and that only came about because someone you know i didn't have a fee and i didn't i I didn't even have a minimum for donation so i did a whole reading which was you know in those times um a lot of prep for me um and when i say a lot of prep meaning um i probably spend half the day for what i thought would be an hour session or two hours and um so someone when I did a reading for them, like, well, thank you. This was wonderful, Sam. Let me get your tea. So she bought my tea. <laughs> I was like, I just worked all that for tea. <laughs> so I, I I started coming up with a, a minimum donation, which I think at the time was 40 or $60. I don't remember now. This would have been 1999, 2000, actually, just as I was about to move to New York and it, I, going to your point, now coming back to privilege, um, no, I you know, was once a graduate student and then immediately following graduate school, I was more of a starving artist, poet, um, spoken word artist and actor. So I didn't have a lot of money, extra money for books. So I would, the libraries didn't really have as much in terms of actual quality materials. So I would go to Barnes and Noble or Borders and sit there for hours and read their books. And then the ones that I just couldn't put down or felt like I needed to buy, like Parker's Astrology, I bought. And that was my purchase for, I won't say the year, but maybe for a couple of months or so. Um, And I would devour those books. And again, always with the intention, like I wanna understand more about this. Um, But to privilege, I would say that as a, as a black man, um, having, having gotten an, an advanced degree, a master's in African American studies, I, I think the aspects of privilege, whether we're talking about race, gender, and mainly we're talking about white women at some particular point, comes at a threshold when a certain group has a disposable income to be able to dedicate itself toward the study of astrology. And for a certain ethnicity, certain groups, that's fairly recent. So maybe um, white women in the States. I can't speak about anywhere else. I'm not talking about Europe. I'm not talking about Canada, really. But what I've I've kind of cataloged in the States, initially, um, they may have had some access to some resources to study astrology from, you know, working or wealthier partners. Um, mainly, this might have been like the 70s and 80s um and then many more many more women later on started being able to work for themselves and then having their own disposable income and then we had a smaller crop of astrologers women astrologers who were doing astrology full-time and making a living at it um now that's shifting and we have a, a greater diversity um this also may have been true for many of the gay populations or gay lesbian populations. And now we're seeing a broadening of that ethnicity you know by ethnicity and along the LGBTQIA spectrum. And I, I think this is the model that we can expect to see in other parts of the world. Like I went to South Africa in twenty fifteen. I was at a conference um hosted there and I was the only black astrologer in, let me say it again, South Africa. And at first I was peeved by that, but then I started talking to the organizer and different people who also were attending, and they explained to me that there's a couple different factors to consider that may not be true for the states, for example. You know, one is the religious factor, you know, in many parts of Africa and other parts of the world, astrology is still, you know, maligned according to a religious and cultural. Spectrum. Then there, you know, there are more people, you know, especially in South Africa after the liberation of from apartheid. People who wanted to get like traditional jobs and traditional education, who didn't necessarily have the disposable income to like then study astrology, because that wasn't like seen as one a legitimate profession, and also one that would make them money. I think that's starting to shift. Um, now we have a again this is even just eight years later you know I'm getting more and more word of people of black people in Africa in general but also in South Africa in particular who may have a little more resources to be able to study astrology. So I think privilege is in the mix, but I think you know one of the things that the, with the pandemic became a great equalizer where suddenly people had access to information and access to classes and different things that kind of broke through barriers that existed before.
0: I, I love how you and Enid both use the word cross cross borders because Ina, I see you as you know, I've said it before, a trailblazer in that you pioneered I think online education. When that was, you know, not the norm, that it seems to have become more with COVID and the the shutdown and now there's hybrid. Even in universities, the, you know, courses were either online or in person. It was the online was still fairly new, I think, for even universities or distance remote education.
1: I think the only university that was functioning online at that time was called Phoenix. Well, there
2: there were a couple others, but like when Kepler opened shortly after IAA and we, as I referred to it, we were on the bleeding edge of online education of mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to make it work. We, our solution at the time, was to try have an in-person component because there there is that quality of people getting together. And it was the symposia were amazing. The the students would just go nuts. You know, if they'd have their class, they'd get talking afterwards. Um, every, the teachers were getting exhausted, so they would be going to bed, although some of them stayed up all night too. half of the students were staying up all night and they were talking astrology they in in just all the things they were learning it was it was marvelous and it's something that you know right now we have conferences is the closest we can come to that you're listening to the cosmic pulse from the international academy of astrology
1: we'll be right back Hello, I'm Ina Stanley. I'm the founder of the International Academy of Astrology, and I'd like to thank you for listening to our podcast, The Cosmic Pulse. If you'd like to find out more about our certification program in astrology or all of our other activities, please visit our website at astrocollege.org.
2: It's kind of like this this layering that goes on in terms of how learning happens. When you're in person, your whole body is involved in the learning. When you're online, you have to you you've got the face if you're using video. Although it's only recently that video doesn't overwhelm a class site <laughs> online class site, uh, but you at least have a live interaction and. That's one of the things I think both IAA and certainly Kepler does, but I know, you know, I know you're also very committed to that having a live instructor so that you have a live portion, even if it is online, is different than just, you know, there's a lot of new educational opportunities for astrologers that's all passive learning. Just sit there and listen to a recording. And as studies have shown, and I've seen it even in myself, that it, it's very true. You listen to an online recording, and you can be fascinated, but within an hour, you can be asked about what's covered, and and half of it's already gone. And within a day, it, you're down to maybe 20% that's still left in your brain. <laughs> so you you can't really replace the same love. I mean, you have somewhat similar happen within person but because you've been present and ready to interact it's a very different form of learning
0: that that's that's the real time factor that we're talking yeah. about and without going too much into a rabbit hole with ai and how that could i think maybe even threaten the the human race that was my my thought earlier with like pluto in Aquarius is because of the AI potentially eliminating a bunch of jobs, you know, where would that leave most of a certain group of society? So that real time factor, as well as I think certification, can, can you talk about, you know, the differences of certification and how the advantages of that coming from both from various experiences of learning without a teacher and then in
3: a in a school setting. Well, can I shoot first on that? Um, I I would say one of the one of the benefits of being an autodidact, you know, and self taught, is that you have control of your learning. Sure, and and access to materials. One of the problems of being self-taught in the autodidact is that you don't know what you don't know. And so you can get locked into your own biases and, and think you may know astrology when you only know some part of astrology. Now there's always more to learn with astrology, but One of the advantages of an education in astrology, not just a certification, but an education in astrology, especially at IAA or Kepler, is that these are comprehensive schools where you're exposed to multiple teachers and multiple forms of astrology. The benefit of the certification process as offered by the organizations is then... You have the laying of hands on you from some other people who can say that you have, you know, passed a certain threshold of understanding and learning related to your astrology. Here's where I think the organizations, even being on the board for one, overstep greatly with their certification process because they don't openly acknowledge the centrality of the schools in this process. Well, They might argue like of course we do we require 500 hours or x number of hours from the schools in order to do that sure okay so i go through it and i have a diploma but then i have to go and take your your organization's certification right and then you know one particular organization will say well you know our schools pay a fee 500 to a thousand dollars in order to be a member uh, an affiliated school with us. And it's like, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous because central to this is education. And so certification is is good as a laying of hands tradition. I am drawing that from the church, but there's other traditions and also pointing to an aspect of lineage. But I think it's really education. And this goes also in the face of, you know, the um, one house school the one room school systems you know the one room school systems are the schools where there's mainly one central teacher who teaches their form of astrology and again the limit can be that you you know this one form of astrology but you may not know how it ties in with other forms of astrology um you might say well why do i need to know other forms of astrology well i think on some level having an understanding of the worlds of astrology or astrologies is part of being an informed astrologer. You know, one great thing about, you know, our our systems of, of education in medicine is that, yeah, there might be someone who have a spe- has, who has a speciality, but you have different residencies that you can do to figure out more what you want to do in the worlds of medicine. So an ophthalmologist won't say about a psychiatrist like, well, yeah, that's not my specialization, but I don't I don't know anything about that. You know something of it in the in the realm of psychiatry, even though that may not be your, your practice. But you have astrologers like, well, I practice Hellenistic astrology. Well well, what do you think about the Huber system? I've never heard of it. <laughs> right? You know, or you know, what about Uranian astrology? I don't know if that's valid. Right? I don't know if there's any Hellenistic astrology who might say that, but just as an example. They may not know about it. That's my take.
0: So that's touching on the quality of education as well, not just the act of or attempt at education. And what I'm hearing is in the one-room schoolhouse, maybe you're like those painters in the Renaissance where you became a replica of a great master. And the one room schoolhouse seeing it through the perspective or eyes of the instructor versus at Kepler or INA, uh, the International Academy of Astrology, where it's correct me, you're building your own critical thinking and knowledge or perspective. Is that? Do you want to
3: add to any of that well yeah if i can and then i'll shut up and defer to my elders um (laughs) yeah i mean i i think well one i don't want to feel i don't want anyone to feel as they listen to this that i'm disparaging one room schoolhouses right um and and they they definitely give a lot of value but i think we've leaned too far in And by the way, I also have a one room schoolhouse, meaning that I also offer classes. Um, But one thing I encourage, I don't give any certification. And one of the reasons why I don't give any certification is that I don't want anyone to feel like their education related to astrology is done just by virtue of studying with me. Whereas I would grant that to like diploma granting institutions like IAA and Kepler or FAS. Uh, faculty of Astrological Studies in London or Mayo, um, because there's a host of other teachers and ideas. So um, I don't know if I'm approaching your question. What's your, the, the other essence of your questions, your question there with that? you your my,
0: my goal is to get you guys talking.
3: Okay. <laughs> but what, what did you ask me? I, I like to answer what.
1: Oh,
0: it? I was comparing the, I guess, outcome of
3: oh, quality a well,
0: yeah, from a one room schoolhouse versus an astrology school, and some of the, the differences, I guess, in terms well, of Ena, the student's touched, formative yeah. formation as an astrologer.
3: Enid touched on this, so there's something called metacognition, right? When you start being able to think about what you're studying. The advantage of these schools, like IAA and Kepler, is that we get you thinking about astrology not just as practitioner, but as someone like the, not just critical thinking, but someone involved in understanding the the realm and worlds of astrology. I think this is important because when someone comes to me, they're like, "Well, I want you to teach me astrology." I always qualify and say, I will teach you astrology, I know, but there are astrologies, right? There's no, when I first started learning astrology, I wish someone had told me like, there are various forms of astrology that you can learn. And there's no one way in which you can learn astrology. But I was thinking just like you learn psychology or you learn other things like, oh, then this is the way to learn it. That's not true. It's a it's multidisciplinary and it's vast. And I think the quality of education you get in a school, a comprehensive school like a- IAA and FAS and Kepler is more so going to be related to understanding the complexities of astrology and being able to think about, you know, what we say as astrologers. Because there's some astrologers who, you know, this is going to be a critique, right? And some astrologers is like, well, you know, I do what works. I'm practical. I don't get into theory. Well, you know, the skeptic in me, the former skeptic, of like, well, this seems like for you astrologers, anything can work. Right? You could talk about the astrology from your bedroom window or your kitchen window and think that that works. And it, maybe it does. Like when the moon is just half-masked between, you know, my neighbor's satellite dish and, you know, the uh, the pole next to it, this means a particular thing. You literally could do that, but is that going to be related to the universal language of astrology? No, but you, you could practice it whatever way, but are all practices equal? And I don't think they are because we have to look at the philosophy, the language, the lineage, all these other things related to it. All
2: and right. Well, that also brings up a, a corollary with that. And it's the internet. Which is and anything goes right now. And I mean, you can find just about any variety of astrology you want out there. How do you f- decide when somebody is just doing bullshit? <laughs> or, you know, they are when someone is just completely making something up because they read one book in astrology and they said, I can tr- I can do a website. I can pretend to be uh, I know how to write. I know how to be charismatic. They don't necessarily know much of anything, but they can make. An appearance that looks legit. As someone who doesn't know astrology, you have no way to really evaluate that. As a beginning student, you may not really, you know, you may be bedazzled by someone's really clever use of language that sounds so profound without having any background to say, is it profound or does it sound profound? And there are a lot, you know, it's like the self-help movement where you could have almost interchangeable people coming on stage with their book saying, and this, I have the way to make your lives better. And very soon, you know, it didn't take many years before people started to realize that a lot of the people who were coming on stage to do that were making their life very better because they were making money. Yes. <laughs> that wasn't making your life better.
0: <laughs> um, so. It's a like, like what? No, it's just when you were describing the blend of Jupiter and Neptune versus having Jupiter-Neptune with Saturn. <laughs> Basically. So for, for the goal of a comprehensive
2: school is very different than we just want you to be able to practice astrology. It's also we want you to be able to practice it in a way that you understand why you're making your choices, your own choices. And I always feel that it's also, I have never met a, a good astrologer who has not continually been learning. And I don't perceive of the schools as, okay, you've received a diploma and that's the end of your learning. I perceive that as, now you really have a solid enough understanding that whatever is fully pulling on your heart to say that's the style that's where i'm going is you you're making that choice because you actually have some background not just because some teacher said oh that's the way i do it and so you should too you're making it because it's your own heart calling and i think that's that's part of why a comprehensive school is so valuable because you have so many, you have different teachers, you have different types, and you get a chance to play with it in amongst a group of people who are also playing with this, who have knowledge. And it's it's exciting. To me, that was when astrology really opened up, was when I started actually having an experience of different astrologers and different ways that they were approaching instead of just the books that I tended to get because they already fit the books I already had. (laughs) And for astrology for its future, because it is such a broad field, we need the comprehensive schools. We need different ways um, I, I don't ever perceive as Kepler being in competition with IAA. We have a we have slightly different teaching styles that fit different styles of learning. Uh,
1: exactly. And, exactly.
2: Yes. Yeah. And and we're complementary to each other rather than than antagonistic to each other.
1: Exactly.
2: I mean, if if, if we would not have so many different colleges for people to choose from on ordinary colleges, if there weren't a value in having different approaches to the same style of, or the same commitment to education. I
1: won't say yes. necessarily style, the but commitment. commitment. Yes. Yeah.
0: A wonderful way to to talk about and address inclusivity and and strength base that not in competition or either or, but together investing in quality education
2: Mm -hmm. and investing in different voices and those voices come from life experience comes from education experience comes from well just all the different ways life will will bounce all of us around and we come (laughs) so we come with different perspectives but as as astrologers it, it seems I've never quite understood when they've wanted to narrow the field to, no, this is just the right one. And because, yes, you could say, here's what's common from Hellenistic to modern with some small variations, but there's a certain core thread, but there's also pieces along that thread where we've branched into other directions as astrologers, and it's worth seeing Where that branch occurred, why it occurred, and how much of that still in this particular culture at this time can provide us with a perhaps a way of looking at things that takes us out of our own ruts and into into a new configuration. I think for me that's always the exciting part in astrology when I discover another piece or when I have a student who comes from a completely different background than I do. And they come up with just, I would have never thought of that. It, it's probably the most exciting part about being involved.
0: But before we wrap up, because, Enid, you have both Kepler and IAA perspectives of curriculum. Mm-hmm. Can, can you maybe touch on, you know, it does does Kepler... Run a curriculum that's like that, in each course has the student explore the modern and traditional at the same same time, or is that something that is unique to Ina Ina Stanley's? Uh, This this is this is conversations between Ina and I many years. (laughs) We um, We both
2: have have the perspective. That if you' if you introduce a technique, you should also introduce its lineage in a sense is basically it. So we do have modern, we do have traditional. And always identifying where they where they differ so that a student can play with the different techniques, but also know what you know this was, this focus, this was, and actually, this brings one other piece to me, is that there is a still a trend that started with the first translations of the Hellenistic materials, of of modern astrologers saying, you know, no, the, the traditional is all too predictive, it's too too fatalistic, it's too this or the traditional astrologers saying oh the modern astrologers haven't understood this and they haven't figured out that they're not antagonistic the two systems can actually do a remarkably good job of feeding the best of each into each other and giving new ways of of working with the chart and there's also a part of this argument that I think sometimes forget, people forget that if you really, really go into the core symbols, it's they are so powerful, they are so in-depth that you can come from either the traditional or the modern and never go beyond adding every other technique under the sun and have an astounding understanding of how the chart works in, in any individual case. I, this, this is something that I really came to understand, particularly teaching astrology, is how powerful our symbols are and how much a lot of the techniques that we've developed can sometimes be laid to the fact that we haven't understood the basic symbols. <laughs> and sometimes to the fact that there's all these other tools and occasionally they can be useful, but are they the key? Are they the core? So when, um, like I I like to say, I spent the first 20 years gathering every technique I could, I spent the next 20 years getting rid of most of the techniques (laughs) and now I'm basically going, okay, I've got the core and I'll use this when I need it for this particular
1: instance. Yes, i'm yes i've been so glad that i've had other I, i've had the the uh, the the knowledge that i've had about astrology because if i'm doing if i'm doing a chart and i know something about the chart and i'm going this is just not working then i can pull out antisia i can pull out different things and i can i can find how it is working that i couldn't see you know just with this narrow amount of knowledge that I started off with in the 70s so. yeah and it,
2: and it's like a, a chant I do sort of for my students is you know planets rule <laughs> and, yes and and if you keep that in mind um what you realize is You can have like the key signature of the chart and the the melodic theme. What a lot of those other techniques do is, it's like bringing in extra colors in a painting or bringing in a, a counterpoint in a piece of music, but they don't ever take over and replace what that core theme is all about. And sometimes I think the, when you, have just a single teacher or when you're trying to do it by yourself it's much easier to lose track of what's really the core theme in in all astrology and so i think there are common places that we as astrologers can agree is key to our astrological education that can free us for under for reconfiguring and thinking how the other pieces
1: fit. I I, go ahead, Nina. Oh, I just, I was just uh, thinking that as I'm listening to you, that uh, when we're talking about individual ideas about astrology that, you know, that that is more narrow than, you know, a broader education, it, I was thinking God, that sounds like uh, religion, Christianity specifically, not all religions, but this, you know, so there's the Baptist and there's the Catholics and there's the Methodist, and then there's this and this and this, and they don't look at the, you know, I don't see astrology as a religion. And that kind of puts it into that, pigeonholes it into those category, that category. And that, me is dangerous to you know just have Have different little. yes there's no yeah you there there has to be a balance or an overview to be able to to understand the true workings of astrology
2: and that's when it gets really exciting having the conversations between what's traditional what's modern what seems to work why you would use it why you wouldn't is it helped me doing that. I mean, that was part of why I really got into astrology and started admitting, yes, I'm not just a self advanced astrologer. <laughs> I'm, I'm right in here. Is because that was so exciting and it gave me such a depth of understanding that I wasn't getting. It gave me new ways of thinking about it. And I, I think astrology fulfills, a, it, it does fulfill a spiritual niche, in the sense of like a Zen Cohen or a Sufi tale, where you have these tales that you can revisit, you know that the sound of one hand clapping is is so such a typical, you know, here's a Zen Cohen. Well, that stuck in my head. Um, and a couple of the other ones, you know, before enlightenment, chopping wood and carrying water, after enlightenment, chopping wood and carrying water. <laughs> They're simple, simple little thingies and i discovered that by sticking in my head over years i kept getting new insights out of those little simple phrases mm-hmm. i kept getting new places where oh my goodness that is exactly i understand from an inside and i think astrology symbols are like that
1: mm-hmm. you
2: can revisit what does the sun mean what does the moon mean again and again and again and every time come up with new depths
1: yeah rob i'm going to quote rob hand here he i heard him say one time that uh astrology will not bring you to enlightenment but you can gain enlightenment through astrology Mm. it won't do it for you but you can you can find it while you're studying i know that that i that had i it has certainly done that for me
2: and and I mean, I actually, Sam, I do kind of recognize where you came from into astrology because I, my kids have often beat me over the head over how many times I have said, it's not supposed to work, <laughs> but it does.
3: <laughs> right. Well, and that's kind of the, the thing that I'm I'm grateful about in terms of furthering my education, either through the certification program. I've never been enrolled in a school but I have studied with teachers. I've studied with Alan Oaken, Christopher Warnock, Robert Zoller, um, uh, John Marcusella, uh Mark Woltz. So I've I've had the privilege of teachers over time. But what I was going to say too to this point is that even though not everything goes, uh, I think in astrology, I do think there are multiple roads that will take us to where we need to go beyond Rome, right? I think you can go to a Vedic or sidereal astrologer and get a similar set of messages that you might get from a tropical Western traditional astrologer. Mm -hmm. Um, But we kind of, for whatever reason, maybe akin to what we find in religion, we feel this need to have the one you know, the the one method. And some measure of that, I'm going to chalk up sometimes to ignorance that people don't know that there can be other ways. Um, And some people have the desperate, I will say that, desperate need for this one thing as true, not recognizing that other things can also be true simultaneously.
0: And maybe it's, for feelings of security or predictability. Um, I really appreciate having, listening to your experiences and outlooks. And one thing I wanted to conclude with that I, that nobody, we weren't really planning on talking about this, but I wanna acknowledge the amount of work and passion that Enid you put into Kepler and Ina that you've put into IAA as well as Sam as the current president. Because talking about that quote of leading, being led to fulfillment, I think I really cherish my diploma from IAA. And so to have these schools available you know, I, still to this day, like, I feel there's, you know, I, I gave me such a good foundation. Thank you. And preparedness. And, and, and also the work that gets put in to keep the curriculum updated and improved is, I think, a testament to the commitment and passion that goes beyond, you know, just delivering information. It's a lot of work to run a school.
1: Yep. Yep. Enid and I know that. We used to spend hours (laughs) talking to each other about it.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes, all of the various things. And and not just in the basic running, but even decisions on what you do with curriculum. How do you best reach students? That's one another advantage of like having a school where you have multiple teachers and multiple approaches is you have all of these people who can contribute to saying, where does curriculum, where is it working? Where isn't it? What is truly essential? What is something that we want to offer? Because it's just, you know, there's gonna be people who want this. And finding that mix, finding the balance, finding this the rhythm of how the classes work. It's teaching is often denigrated, especially in the United States these days. Oh, in, in, <laughs> and <open air. laughs> and there is sometimes I think there has been a thought in the astrological community that's along the same sort of lines is oh, I can make my money doing clients and I can make my money doing this and I can always teach a class and I can always do it stuff without really thinking through what it means to really try open your students' eyes to what you're trying to you know, tell them and letting them have the tools they need to take it and run <laughs> and just go with it because they've actually been able to learn it. Uh, unfortunately, I think sometimes we translate well i've listened to a lecture as i've actually learned the information and it's not until you actually practice and put it to use and test it that you can say you've learned information and, and get one feedback. thing and get feedback from it and that's that's one thing that you know iaa is com- committed to is providing that feedback providing that pathway that and re-looking at it i mean something that kepler does all the time as well as we we re-look at the curriculum just to well it's partly because we're constantly in a dialogue with our students as your students go through and when you have a larger program like that you're getting so many more voices and the voices can come, you know, the the best way to move
1: forward can come from a student as well as from a teacher. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've learned, I've learned more from my, from, from the students that I have taught throughout the years than I ever learned in any book.
2: (laughs) And it's like our clients teach us so much once we We start.
0: There's a theme that I'm hearing that's a nurture, a nurturement that is in line with this season of our quarterly podcast, The Cancer Ingress of the Cosmic Pulse. And with that, I want to thank everyone here for their time. And I just feel so lucky to be able to learn from and work with all of you. And to our listeners, Oh, is there anything that you would like to say in conclusion? Oh, before I just wanted I wrap to say it up. thank
3: you, Jen. Uh, yes. It's great to see a, a grad of IAA doing this work and also being part of our board. Um, excuse me. <laughs> thank <Bless> you. you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you and bless you. <laughs>
0: and bless you. <laughs> All right. And th- yes,
1: and thank you, Jen. I, you know, you've always been a shining light for me.
0: I always like to say how I am such a proud graduate of the International Academy of Astrology because it was worth every every penny, dollar.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Okay. That wraps it up.
1: You've been listening
2: to The Cosmic Pulse from the International Academy of Astrology. New episodes are released at the solstices and equinoxes. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at astrologyflix.com. See you next time. Hi, I'm Ed Perrone. I'm the video archivist for the International Academy of Astrology, and I'd like to invite you to try our new video streaming service, Astrology Flicks. Astrology Flicks is like Netflix for Astrology. Subscribers receive full access to a curated library of astrology lectures, workshops, mini-courses, and other material from some of the leading astrological minds of our time. Watch videos from Robert Hand, Rick Levine, Robert Schmidt, Samuel F. Reynolds, Donna Van Toen, Joni Petrie, Nicholas Campion, and many, many more. We're adding new videos twice a month, so you'll always find something new and stimulating. Check us out at astrologyflicks.com.